This podcast is brought to you by DIA, the trusted global neutral forum for healthcare product development professionals. DIA, driving insights to action. Clinical research is deeply connected to healthcare services, regulatory agencies, policymakers in government, and uh, national institutions. These connections don't just happen as if by magic. In 2014, the Australian Clinical Trials Alliance, or ACTA, was established as the national peak body to support and represent clinician researchers conducting high-quality clinical trials within Australia. Until ACTA was formed, which was less than a decade ago, there was no single coordinated group or mechanism to connect researchers to lead this critical research that informs the Australian government, policy makers, consumers and clinicians. I'm Rick Day, DIA Global Forum Regional Editor for Australia and New Zealand. Today we're welcoming Professor Steve Webb, who is the Chair of the Australian Clinical Trials Alliance. Steve works in the Intensive Care Unit, Royal Perth Hospital, has an academic appointment at Monash University in Victoria, where he's the Professor of Critical Care Research. He's joining us today to talk about ACTA. Thanks very much for joining us today, Steve, and uh, welcome. Thanks very much, Rick. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about clinical trials. So, Steve, could you tell us a bit about the origins and what the purpose of ACTA is? ACTA had its genesis in 2011 at an um, ANZIX intensive care clinical trials group meeting in Queensland. I was the chair of the ANZIX clinical trials group at that time, and we had a couple of quite prominent journal editors attending our meeting. And the discussion over dinner turned to, we know about the intensive care trials group. What other trials groups are there in Australia? I knew of the Infectious Diseases uh, Network because we'd collaborated with that group, and I knew of the Kidney Trials Network for the same reason. And beyond that, I had no idea what other clinical trial networks uh, existed in Australia. Other people at the table were able to chip in with a couple of other examples. And uh, one of the editors said, I presume you guys do all very similar things. It's a bit of a surprise that you don't have linkages with each other. And a few sort of jaws dropped and said, well, that's probably something we should be doing. And that's really where uh, ACTA started. I linked up with John Salzberg, who uh, became the initial chair of ACTA uh, before I took on the role. And between the two of us, we made contact with a wide range of networks and led to the formation of ACTA. Its purpose is to represent the investigator-initiated network-organised clinical trial sector. We have roles in advocacy, ensuring that the community uh, and government understand the role of these groups, advocacy with funding bodies, with healthcare systems, to promote the importance of evidence, which is information to guide decision-making in clinical practice and policy. I think that explains pretty well how you became involved in ACTA, but it seems like you've been deeply involved from the outset, very busy given the output from ACTA, which is uh, really quite tremendous when I look at the trials and the quality of the trials that have been produced. Uh, Rick, I've got to say the quality of the trials rests absolutely with the members of ACTA. The contribution that we've been able to make, I think, has been substantial, but credit has to lie with the networks that do the trials, and ACTA itself does no trials. We also see ourselves as a melting pot 
networks do face a similar set of problems, both sort of administrative and management and governance, as well as methodology related. And we've been able to act as a conduit by which when one network discovers a way of doing something better, act as the pathway by which it can be shared throughout the entire sector. And it's been very useful. But if you take a look at the clinical trials in Australia, Steve, what percentage of patients do you think in Australia get involved in participating in clinical trials? What's the support and enthusiasm of the population, do you think, for this activity? That's such an important metric. And it's a source of great sadness and disappointment that we don't know that number. I know in intensive care, which is a pretty active investigator-initiated research sector, we're only enrolling 2 to 3% of prevalent patients. I suspect the proportion of uh, oncology patients in trials is high. There's a lot of fantastic commercially sponsored clinical trial activity in the country. What I would say is that whatever the number is, it's way too low by one or more orders of magnitude. Clinicians every day make decisions in the absence of evidence. And every time a clinician makes a decision in the absence of evidence, that's a missed opportunity for randomization. And so the vision of ACTA is that the number of clinical trials and the amount of uh, recruitment really has to be targeted to a much higher level than exists currently. It reminds me, I heard many, many years ago, Professor Tom Chalmers, who was from Harvard, who uh, I think also was the founder of the Physicians Against Nuclear War and and also meta-analyses. But he got up at a meeting and his opening comment was, he thought it was unethical if any patient was not involved in a clinical trial, which stunned the audience. But when you think about it, I think that more or less is what you're saying there. Very much so, Rick. And thinking about particular subgroups, diversity in clinical trials is really important. Everyone struggles around the globe, but in particular, we have our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are behind in their health in a very substantial way. How do you think we're travelling there and this uh, really challenging area? And what, what are we doing about it? Is ACTA involved in any way in this? We certainly are doing way worse than we should be. Health outcomes are a national embarrassment in relation to Indigenous people. A lot of uh, that poor health relates to social determinants of health and injustice and lack of opportunity, which stretches back hundreds of years. The Indigenous health research area, um, trying to find uh, better and effective treatments, uh, is an area of massive unmet need. ACT has had relatively little to do with this as a specific area. There are uh, very substantial challenges. I think it's an area that researchers should really only get into in association uh, with a deep understanding of the complexities and challenges that exist. ACTA have as its members some of those individuals who do very high quality work in Indigenous people. And we've had dialogue about what ACTA can do. And although there's been interest on both sides of those conversations, I think the feeling that we've had is that it's still at a stage where those individuals who've provided fantastic leadership are the right people to be taking the sector forward. If and when there's a role for ACTA, uh, time uh, will tell. 
If we look at the last five years and clinical trials from a number of perspectives, firstly, what about patients and carers? What do you feel is their attitude to clinical research broadly in Australia? If you look at the last five years, the biggest event that's occurred in the last five years has obviously been the coronavirus pandemic. And that's had a substantial impact on community understanding of clinical trials because the clinical evaluation of vaccines and treatments has been front page news. So there's been a gradual increase in health literacy around clinical trials. But having said that, I think that the the sort of ambient level of community knowledge of clinical trials is still substantially lower than it needs to be. On one hand, we often find when doing comparative effectiveness trials, where there's a comparison of two or more treatments that are part of the recognised spectrum of care, all the treatment options are believed to be safe and effective, but it's just not known which treatment is best. When we speak to families and patients, there's sometimes a perception that clinical trials are only offered when there's no traditional treatment options left and the patient is facing some dreadful outcome and they're being offered the roll of the dice on something which is risky and experimental. Now, both of those methods involve randomization, but their clinical context is very different. So community awareness of the role of trials and how there's a difference between the evaluation of experimental interventions about which relatively little is known regarding safety and effectiveness compared with comparative effectiveness research is an important distinction, often with limited understanding in the community. And indeed, at times, to be honest, sometimes limited understanding in government and amongst policymakers. That probably leads on to what the commercial activity is in um in the clinical trial area, is Australia a place where this is valued and by not just the companies, but Australian clinical groups and patients? I think it's different between early phase and late phase trials. My understanding is, and I have relatively little to do with early phase trials, Australia is now regarded as the preeminent destination for phase one clinical trials because of the speed with which regulatory approval can be provided. There's now a large number of very high-quality Phase one centres in Australia. Historically, we've seen less uh, activity in Phase two and Phase three trials. I mentioned the pandemic earlier, which I think has brought more Phase two and Phase three trials to Australia because of the reduced uh, societal disruption that occurred during the pandemic and that clinical trials were still able to recruit and function, whereas in many other parts of the world, they were uh, severely impacted by the pandemic. So I hope that the experience of Global Pharma has been a positive one and that more trials uh, will come to Australia. Uh, We do have a very good commercial clinical trial conduct. We have very good uh, clinicians and a solid, equitable healthcare system. But we do have a reputation, unfortunately, for being an expensive destination and when time is money, a slow destination. But I do also know that a lot of work, uh, particularly led by the Federal Department of Health, 
is going into trying to make us as attractive a destination for inbound international clinical trials as possible. Of course, these are fantastic trials for patients because they do provide access to wonderful new innovative treatments that are not otherwise available. Steve, thanks very much for our discussion. And uh, that's really all of our questions today. But thanks very much for your time. Thanks for the opportunity, Rick. For Global Forum, I am Rick Day. To learn more about this topic, visit us online at diaglobal.org.